everyone, welcome to Docs That Rock. I'm Sharita Darcy. And I'm Tracy Ferguson. And we are back. We're back. It's double dosed with the vaccines and ready to go. Yes, thank goodness. We're coming out the other side, hopefully. <laughs> it's the hope that gets you. It's the hope that gets you. <laughs> and even though we haven't been recording, we have been watching different documentaries and documentary series. And uh, we were so moved by this one that we decided we had to come out of retirement. Yes, to record. we did. Yeah. <laughs> we had to crawl out from the rocks that we were hiding under. <laughs> but also, so, Shreda, um, speaking mm-hmm. of hiding under, uh, you need to describe your location right now and exactly where you are. <laughs> because just to paint the picture, we are on a Zoom call so we can see each other. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting setup there, Shreda. <laughs> so, um, yes, we are recording from home. Um so there might be signs of life. I, for example, am accompanied at the moment by my dog, Charlie. But I am sitting in my spare bedroom on the ground covered. I'm basically in a fort, which is brilliant. I haven't I, I dreamt about this all last night and I got up early this morning and I have stars and fairy lights and lots of blankets all around me and uh, a glass of gin and tonic tea (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah I don't know if it's going to make much of an improvement on the sound or not but you guys can be you know the deciders on that one I suppose really we're trying and that's the main thing that's the main thing we're in a global pandemic for God's sake yeah Yeah. and besides everybody knows that it's so like 2021 (laughs) It's so 2020 to be like, it's unprofessional to have dogs and your children and background noise on a podcast. Uh, yeah, it's so um, yeah. it's so normal now. And yes, and my little cat, little girl Ferguson might make an appearance at some point. Um, oh, yeah. Especially if she That's... feels strongly about any of the points of discussion. Oh, very good. Yeah. And she yes. may very well do so. You never know. No, you never know. And what about these two documentaries? You never know. Yes, exactly. Mm. Intriguing. Intriguing. I suppose we should really kind of explain which two documentaries we're talking about. Yes. So we're we're going to talk about uh, Murder at the Cottage uh, with Jim Sheridan on Sky and also Sherida. We're going to talk about Sophie, a murder in West Cork by director John Dower, who previously directed Banged Up Abroad. (laughs) That's the truth. Okay. Did you know that? (laughs) Uh, I just don't see the relevance, but they know. Really? Okay, we'll get to Um, that. But but also that's available on Netflix. (coughs) So that's the Netflix stock that everybody's watching at the moment, which has just been released. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, I suppose really starting tragically, poor old Sophie Tuscan de Plantier met a brutal death in West Cork. She was a French lady. She was living in, well, she wasn't living in West Cork. She had travelled to West Cork only two days beforehand to spend Christmas on her own in uh, the wilds of um, West Cork when this happened to her. And then the saga ensued that was the, 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 the continuing search for justice 
it really is one of the most fascinating stories um, that Ireland has to tell. There are two um, kind of approaches to telling this story. I would recommend that you would watch both. These documentaries are about the same thing, but they're completely differently told from different um, viewpoints. Um, they're two different. Actually, do you know what? It's about the same story, but it's, they're two different stories that are being told here. It's it's amazing because uh, I had watched the, the f- former, the one with the, the Jim Sheridan one, and um, I was absolutely fascinated by it and drawn in and came out with one type of conclusion. And then when uh, the second came out, I thought, you know, I want to watch it because I just want to see if there's anything new. I didn't expect it to be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk to a lot of the same people, but it's it's a completely different piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a masterclass, really. Like mm. when you watch both of them beside each other, it's a really interesting way of looking at how the variety that, that you know, that that people can take when they approach a subject with the documentary because Jim Sheridan decided <clears throat> that he was going to try and tell this story from a very unique perspective. He himself features in it. Um, Murder on the Cottage is very dark. It's It has the the smell and the feel of the wilds of West Cork and everything seems slightly evil and there's like an undercurrent or kind of a dark tone to most of like there's no shot that goes unused here it's just it's really compelling stuff but it is as dark as cable ties in the glove compartment of the person who's given you the lift like do you know what I mean it's like very sinister um he allows you to he basically just introduces West Cork as another character in this in this whole saga like it's so remote it's just in the middle of nowhere you yes. lived in Furbo at one point didn't you I did yeah I did That's no one could ever in... find my house ever like get, getting deliveries was a bit of a nightmare but uh no one could ever find find my house no one ever visited me on their own and actually found my house. I had to always go and meet them in Ferbo village and drive ahead of them to my house because even with very, very clear directions and a zip code, you would never find that cottage. And there was no yeah. uh, cell phone reception really up there. You had to, uh, I remember I was doing a few little bits for iRadio at the time and I had to yeah. sit in my car halfway down the road in order to go on with Chris and Mary <laughs> and do it's my so report, funny. my entertainment report, because there was just no reception. It, uh, But I loved it. I loved it. There thatched roof, you know, the half door, the old Irish door, a stone wow. cottage. Oh, it was just beautiful. And it looked right down to the sea from up on the hill, but uh, but completely isolated. So it, it was a wonderful feeling in a lot of ways because you get that privacy and, you know, but also you wonder if, if anybody came a knocking there, no one would even hear you, you know, if something happened now, I, I probably would not live somewhere like that. Yeah. And like, were you half an hour away from civilization? Were you 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Oh no, you'd be at least 10 minutes to 15 minutes driving down the road from my house to get to the main road. Mm-hmm. And then from there about 20 minutes into the city into the city but like there were shops and people around in Furbo we had one shop 
<clears throat> yeah, there's one shop. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I meant. That's civilization. The one shop. Yeah, the shop was the petrol station. And you have a station. massive hotel. Oh, was the hotel there at the time? Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the Connemara Coast. A bit yeah, bitting of a drive, as they say. But um, yeah, but 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 definitely, I I kind of I understand from just from the solitude of it and the privacy of it and being tucked away you know, out with a view of the sea, uh, you know, it, there's something very special about that. Well, as you know, Tracy, I'm a wanderer. I love to get lost deliberately. I love to go wandering and the feeling of not knowing where I am. Um, I like to know what I'm doing when I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I often bring my dog and myself out to Connemara, but I, I have got lost a few times. Now, the problem is, when you bring your dog, you're not really lost because your dog knows where he went and your dog knows the way back to the car. Um, I wouldn't recommend that everybody does this at all. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, you know, to compare them, but a cat is a useless companion for when, yes. you're, when you're getting lost. in Yeah, the he will abandon you like the plague. He will leave <laughs> you to die. <laughs> But um, a dog will be like, uh, no, excuse me, human. It's uh, this way. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I might have to borrow Charlie the next time I go wandering. But uh, Charlie, did, the navigator. You saw that um, Sophie had two locations that she was thinking of buying. And one was in West Cork and one was in Connemara. Connemara, apparently. Yeah. Which Do you know where Connemara is? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, yeah. Connemara is about, what, 20 minutes away from where you are? Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a, a national park. And also very, very remote cottages out there. I toyed with living there uh, many years ago, but uh, and beautiful. It's stunning scenery and the whole of the whole lot. So she went with option B, I guess, which would have taken her in a completely different direction. I think, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, she might be still here and making movies. It's um, in the Sky documentary, um, Sophie, a murder in West Cork. It's kind of they're recounting that she really chose there's a lot of kind of see this is the whole thing about both of these stories is what people say you're you can only go on what people say but like one woman who kind of had investigated the story afterwards had said that she did have a choice between the two locations but she chose West Cork and the word that she used to describe it was violent beauty do you know that kind of way and it was and you can get that about West Cork that the wind was always blowing the shutters and like in the wilds of Connemara especially on the coast and something like that you can you can as I said you get you really get the sense of it in the Jim Sheridan documentary he really gives you the shivers the way it's shot and the way he kind of talks about it and the way the locals talk about it another thing though that gave me the shivers was that the the legends and the the, the myths that were going around you know um, the white lady of Tree Castle Head. What was your take on that, Sophia uh, well, Sophia <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> What's your take on that, Tracy? Wow. Um, yeah. The you know, as a people, we're just rooted so much in in folklore and in old legends and myths and mythology, and you know, you don't have to go far. Every county in Ireland has its own stories, and. Uh, it's not unusual for us to absolutely accept a story like that. And for the people who don't accept it, the skeptics, they you know, may not believe that there's a ghost haunting the lake, but they're not going to say anything just in case there might be a ghost haunting the lake. Exactly. You know, yeah. There's a great respect for folklore here and a great respect for mythology. So I just think that, you know, 
all of that did you I, I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead but for the second series the, the Netflix series they say that her 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 relative says that if she had gone she thought she saw something in the lake and then she was scared and she got a little bit of a fright and the legend is that if you see it you won't see the next day that that's it that your time is up and that was on the day of her murder but she went to I believe a German couple were living nearby yeah. that she knew so she visited the German couple and uh, the German couple sent her home on her way and her relative in France said that if she had visited an Irish couple, they probably wouldn't have let her go, which is the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. A hundred percent. If she had visited an Irish couple and she had told them that story, especially if they were from West Cork and they were aware of the legend, they would not have left her head. Uh, they would not have let her leave the house and that I do believe mm -hmm. no that's way. the she funny the no. fun thing about it is like there's certain things like there are plots of land that are ideally located for houses around where I live that nobody will build on because there's a there's a, a fairy fort on it mm -hmm. you know this kind of stuff like Irish people are superstitious and there's lots of legends of West Cork like Jim Sheridan, I think with that piece where he went out to it and I'm walking out where Sophie went the day before she died. And, you know, we know she was here and and the way Jim is so relatable, he draws you in and you really want to listen to everything he's saying. And he just has a great way of telling stories like, you know, it's just ah, he's I mean, he this is the man who was famous for in the name of the father in my left foot. There's something very in his veins about getting something across, like just getting a feeling or an emotion across. And that uh, the emotion that we feel from that documentary is the only truth that we have out of it, because everyone else is lying. At one point um, we have in the second documentary from Sky, we have somebody saying actually it was the actress that played her in the crime watch reenactment she said that when they were filming out at three castle head she had met a journalist that she believes was ian bailey who told her she thinks this do you hear what i'm saying to you she believes it's ian bailey and she thinks that he told her that he had met sophie there the day before yeah but, but uh with jim sheridan just to add a note to that i what i thought was very refreshing about the jim sheridan piece was that his caliber of filmmaker or any filmmaker is normally behind the camera. So, you know, they're directing mm -hmm. what's happening and they're looking at the overall and they're bringing the whole thing together for him to, to come out from behind the camera and put himself right in the middle, because this is something that he's never been able to stop thinking about since it first happened was mm -hmm. kind of very refreshing. You know, it was mm -hmm. nice to see that it rarely <clears throat> happens, you know, unless you're Werner Herzog, it doesn't happen. Yeah, but it's interesting, actually, that you brought up Werner Herzog and it's very interesting that you brought up that exact, exact point. I think it was a very clever decision because it made him vulnerable and he was asking Ian Bailey to be in a very vulnerable position to engage in this documentary. I believe that he probably had to do that to facilitate some of the interviews that he got. By Jesus, he got some brilliant interviews in this. Like he really did a fantastic job. The locals, that the way that they spoke to them, some of the same locals are in the second in the second documentary, and he doesn't get as much juice out of them as as Jim Sheridan gets out of them in in Murder at the Cottage. Like no. I know we we are doing a comparison between the two, um, but they should actually be looked at independently in their own right as well. 
I know. But in my opinion, the interviews are, are thick with information. They're just so juicy. He does such a great job. He, he does, but there's a lot to be said for the Netflix one as well, because I like facts. Um, I enjoyed both of them on, you know, in huge ways, but for completely different reasons. And mm-hmm. and I did. I just found the approach of the second one, which is uh, the Netflix one. Um, there, there were a lot more facts and I like nuggets and facts and, you know, first person accounts of conversations rather than someone told me that he said something once kind of thing. So I kind of liked that as well. And then to to sit back from both of them as the viewer and merge them all together and then see what you think. I think that that was mm-hmm. really interesting. It was just, a, I suppose, mm-hmm. a, I don't know if it was a coincidence. They were both landing together. I think so. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Kind what, of what, great, um, for great for us. Yeah, great yeah. for us. Um, it's interesting because Werner Herzog obviously and famously would leave you to make your own conclusions, you know, and facts aren't something that he's particularly interested in. I, In this story, facts are not something that, in my opinion, we ever get. Um, Which I'll put it to you this way, Tracy. Um, There's a lot of people who tend to have facts or have made statements and they're all kind of I believe this and I can tell you this much for sure is true and all this. The only real fact that we know at the end of the day is that Sophie met a brutal, brutal death and even the forensics are scant at that. Jim Sheridan was the man who had access to the photographs that were available, the police file that was available. And there were some facts like the fact that the Gardaí had the black coat, even though the black coat that another Gardaí is on camera saying was burnt in fire. And there's witnesses saying the same black coat was burnt in the fire. So what is the fact and what is not a fact is reflected, I believe, by Jim Sheridan in in the way that he chose to kind of um, document murder at a cottage. And that's the connection the really that when you brought up Werner Herzog I was immediately like yeah he has to be the tangible thing that's in it he has to be the thing on screen that that you can relate to something I found very very interesting he was being interviewed by the Sunday World and he said was this Jim Sheridan or Ian Bailey Jim Sheridan okay uh was being interviewed thank you actually yeah (laughs) Jim Sheridan was being interviewed by the Sunday World there on June 22nd so this is just after the documentary was released um he said look at thin lizzie's whiskey in the jar it's a song about a highwayman who asks some who kills somebody and uh, and we're on the side of the criminal in that story and so it's like as we were saying we are the irish people are always fighting for the underdog is what he was kind of saying you know and there are a lot of people that believe that ian bailey is not guilty and what he did in Murder at the Cottage is allow you to make up your own mind. He presented Ian Bailey, allowed Ian Bailey the vehicle to present himself. And at the end of it, you either think he killed her or he didn't. But it's the only trial that you're going to get for Ian Bailey in Ireland because the Gardaí made such a bad job of it. Well, I agree with that that the investigation was not is not it's not even close to thorough. But um, but I, I just I would say that from all the other cases that we've seen, Sherida, over mm-hmm. the last, say, five years where podcasts and Netflix have brought out the story that everybody knew and everyone was talking about, but it gets a new lease of life and a new wave of interest and a new level of urgency for investigation. And we've seen resolution in those cases and we've certainly seen uh, reopened files. 
I'd say let's let's see what happens from this because you know more and more people are asking more and more questions and there's so much bloody missing I mean I was like first when I was watching Jim Sheridan's I was thinking you know they're talking about possibly the person from France who looked French and might have come in and I thought yeah but surely there are records to say who traveled in who traveled out you know you've got flight records for sure Surely that did anybody look at those? They're never talked about. And then we have now twenty twenty one. Sorry to laugh, but you know, I mean, did anyone look at the flight records? No, I'd say not. And, and uh, no, this this is somebody who couldn't even take a camera down to take a, a a picture, a photograph of somebody's hands that had scratches on it. I know that basically would have been really useful in convicting this man if it was true. You know, it's 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 like yeah, but also come on, yeah. But also all the um, you know, I know they lost the gate for God's sake. How can you you lose a gate? I don't know. But if you want someone to lose a gate, only the Gardaí Shiakana would be the people to ask. You know, (laughs) they lost the gate. They lost the gate, but uh, beside which she was murdered, and also. but but you know pulling together we're talking about a great big span of time in terms of technology and science you know surely there's something somewhere that can can be analyzed for something with our new technologies now like there's no talk about that really and there's no, no there is no discussion about joined up thinking and collaboration between french authorities and irish authorities which i also think is an outrage for her family i think I think that the joint up thinking between the Irish, um, the Irish police forces and the Gardaí was the handing over of the file. I think that you are talking about a, a case that's gone on for years. The Gardaí, the papers have been taken to court for libel against this man. The Gardaí have concluded that they're no longer going to do this investigation for a number of reasons. You get more detail about that in the Sky documentary than you do about than you do in the Jim Sheridan documentary. Um, Jim Sheridan is way more focused on the very interesting kind of differences between the two trials. But it's very, very clear that there's a standard of evidence that must be met by Angarda Shiakona that they quite simply did not meet that standard of evidence. But in France, it was more of like a bouquet of evidence if you had a lot of hearsay information or a lot of circumstantial information that met the standard that was required for someone to be found guilty. Having said that, though, it also is a system whereby somebody could be found guilty in absentia without ever having been interviewed by the police in France. I, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, know I know about the journey so far. But what I'm saying is that if it's what it happens were, now. Yeah, if it were my relative, you know, if it were my sister or my mother, um, I, I, well, I don't care about what's happened in the past and what the reasons are that it never worked and that there wasn't a full investigation. I would want a full investigation now, from now onward. Well, he's been found guilty in France, so... Yeah, but, but I would want an Irish investigation if I were her family. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible is the thing, but I, I can see either. exactly what you're yeah, saying. I know. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Like, um, I did find it very interesting in recent days that the French, I think it's one of the, the French family's lawyer has come out and asked Mr. Bailey to produce evidence of a French assassin, his French assassin theory, if he has it. He said, well, listen, 
Eon Bailey, if you have <laughs> um, evidence of a French assassin and your theory that you put in the papers and you've been talking about, we'd love to hear it. Put it in the post. Send it over to us. We'd love to see it. Like, you know, and that that is a very interesting kind of a take on it. Like this man was a journalist and he had evidence at one stage to say that he did believe this theory. He really firmly pointed his finger at the existing husband. What did you think about the husband not coming over to identify her body? Well, in this in the first one, I thought I didn't understand it. But I thought I've never had that level of grief personally. I don't know. And but there was a question mark around it, certainly. And then uh, in the second one, in the Netflix one, um, they talked to her relatives who said that they visited him once they came back from Ireland to sort of give him all the all the updates and that he was a destroyed man. Yeah, that was a friend, Angie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was absolutely destroyed. And I could understand that it would be very difficult to travel to another country especially when it seemed that there might have been a lot of pressure on that marriage, you know, and for him. But it is interesting that they were on the phone that night and she said goodbye to him that night. I'd love to. I know <clears throat> that's another. I mean, not that it's for us to know that was their intimate conversation, but that's a, another big question. I would love to know what was said that that night, you know, um, did she just say, oh, I've just, you know, had a nice relaxing day and blah blah and I'm going to bed now and it was perfectly normal and then something happened because then that just shows you that you know she wasn't she was going to bed and there was a knock on the door or did she tell him about seeing the white lady in Three Castle I, Head yes, or absolutely. stopping in in Sheridan's pub and being invited out for dinner the next night with the locals for Christmas or you know there's, it's very interesting you know, I don't know. I mean, in talking about suspects and all these kind of theories that were going out, there was like apparently around a thousand suspects were told in Sophie, a murder in West Cork, which is the Netflix one. We're told there's about a thousand suspects. They whittled it down to 56 suspects. And then very soon there was one suspect and nearly every piece of evidence that was coming in, it was looking as if that piece of evidence, oh, that's Ian Bailey, that's Ian Bailey. And they're only looking for stuff and discarding other stuff. For example, we find out in the police file that there is a car with a French registration being seen around the time of the murder, leaving the road where um Sophie was living, which is like, you know, there's nothing else down that road, really, except for herself and Alfie Lyons' house. So it's really interesting, like why that wasn't followed up. Um, but there's a lot of questions to be asked, you know, and it just feels like there'll always be a lot of questions to be asked of it. I think that um, I suppose really one of the biggest problems that I have got is <sighs> Marie Farrell, man. If you were in West Cork and there was two roads in front of you, one to the left and one to the right, and you stopped Marie Farrell on the road and you asked her, which way is the way to Skull? And she said, it's the left road. Would you take the left road or would you take the right road? Because I don't believe a word that comes out of that woman's mouth. I don't know. I, I think that's another... I don't believe her. I think it's another... It's an, yet another massive question mark because I can understand her not wanting to share that she was with somebody and it might have had an impact on her life. You know, it wasn't her husband. They were just friends. They were meeting... But and I can understand that. And 
but I, I can't, I don't know. The whole thing just gets very murky. That's the first thing. I don't have anyone in my life. Maybe it's just me that I would meet at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the nowhere. That isn't my husband. But I think you know? that, that, but I think that's part of the problem, Sharita, because yeah. that judgmental kind of, you know, oh, who is she meeting? The focus immediately goes off Ian Bailey or whoever she saw on the road to her. And then everyone attacks her as a woman. And there's something fundamentally wrong with that. You know, her choices are her choices. For God's sake, it's her private life. But um, maybe it took a lot of courage for her to call and say she saw somebody if she really thought she saw the murderer. Um, it's very specific um, thing that she saw as well, that she says she saw somebody washing boots. <clears throat> yeah, in, in one stage, she's kind of saying that somebody was looking up at the sky and they were flaying their arms around the place and they seemed to be quite out of it. And then somebody was washing boots at the bridge. And then, you know, it just. <sighs> I don't doubt that the guards put pressure on her to name Ian Bailey. I just think that the level of lies that were told. <clears throat> like you see her in the Netflix documentary being very adamant and believable, saying. I saw a man, that man was Ian Bailey. Actually, what she says is, I saw a man, I pointed out a man to the guards and they later told me that he was Ian Bailey. And I saw him up at the thing and he did this and he's been harassing me and he's been doing these cutthroat signs and you know, other neighbours saying that she was running up and saying that Bailey just threatened her in the shop and this kind of stuff. And that whole balava about Fiona ringing Crime Watch and she rang them twice and then she then she rang them from her own home phone and the guardies sleuthed it down with caller ID to find out that it was her that rang and um, then they rang up you know it's kind of like they did have to find her to get her to testify against Dean Bailey they had to find her they had to get you know they had to get her up on that witness stand what changed my mind because when I watched Jim Sheridan and I watched Murder at the Cottage. What changed my mind was when I watched the Netflix documentary and I watched um, Sophia Murder in West Cork because I didn't know about her walking out of the witness stand during the libel case. Surely that, that solicitor should have actually said to her, you are probably going to have to name the man that you were with on the night. Surely they would have prepared her for it, you know? Or surely she must have had that in her head. Because if it was a case that she was told, oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 you won't have to name that. You won't. That was absolutely untrue. And the whole dramatics that made her look very difficult, you know, um, in that situation, that occurred because that woman was ill prepared to be sitting up on that stand. That is a fault of the solicitor. You know, that's not necessarily her fault. Yeah, At the but same that, time, that, it made me wonder. That's something that's carried through the whole thing, though, Sharita. You know, nothing was thoroughly done on any front. Yeah, no, definitely not. But it made me wonder. It really made me kind of sit down and go, well, no, hang on a second now. Like, what what's going on here? And like, and I just kind of, I, it was very suspicious to me. I, I just don't, I don't believe her. I really don't believe her. We haven't even spoken about Ian Bailey yet, but as for her, I just don't. I, I'm sorry. It's just my gut feeling. I mean, I don't believe any of these people. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. It's like it's it's such a story. 
we'll never get to the truth of it. And unfortunately, poor Sophie is left, you know. I know, I, th- I think you might be right that we might never get to the bottom of it, but I hope you're wrong. And I just hope that from this, some, some good things may come. I don't know, but they might. Yeah. Needless to say, it was very clear that the Irish investigation couldn't have her evidence included. Um, they, they couldn't use her evidence against Dean Bailey and the, pretty much the collapse of um, her testimony. It, any hope of bringing Dean Bailey to justice was that that was it. It wasn't going to happen. And um, even the hint of it, it was like for, he could be convicted and an appeal would turn him out in jail very, very quickly. But the French government were able to take that testimony. And so when the police file was handed over to the French government, it became very clear actually in the Netflix documentary, although it was made clear as well in the um, the Sky documentary, Murder at the Cottage, that actually, um, yeah, 100%, they were going to take her her uh, testimony, testimony as being true. Um because they felt, I think that, and again, we are getting some sub- somebody's subjective opinion that the French authorities felt that the testimony that was taken closest to the time was probably the most accurate one. Um, which is a very interesting kind of way of looking at it because whether you believe Marie Farrell or, or not really does impact on whether you believe Ian Bailey or not. Well, now you've mentioned Ian Bailey. It's said that in Three Castle Hill and at the back of that, you know, mountain where um Sophie Tuscan Planting used to live that the last wolf in Ireland lived up in those hills right cut to Ian Bailey in a pair of wellies with a big wolf hat on chasing chickens around Prairie Cottage <laughs> you have to watch it it's so good it was alright your friends may have decent taste in movies but their incoherent reviews are getting annoying I don't know, I just didn't like it. Looking for a new podcast? Join Time Sensitive, where we break down the recent movies you've heard of, but may have missed. Spoilers included. And we get it. You're busy and can't see everything, but are you really going to track it down a year later? We take the time so you don't have to. Find us on Twitter, at TSMoviePod, and find out what we're watching. I'm Sam. I'm Ian. And I'm Kate, and we're three friends and armchair movie critics. Seriously, invite us into your living room. Kate, stop. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Time Sensitive, because you deserve better. I don't know. The good thing is, uh, Tracy, you'd be glad to know that Ian Bailey is on dating websites. I Why would I be glad to know that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I can't look at him as a funny character because of the possibilities. I look at him and I, I think I either I'm and we don't know which way it goes. So I look at him and I think either He's a man wronged. He was a journalist scrounging up work. You know, any freelancer, I'm one myself um, in the arts world. But, you know, you're you you know, you you absolutely want the job. You know, he heard that there's a murder. It's close to him. He's going to be all over it like a rash. He's going to be there. Mm -hmm. He's going to be jumping around. He's going to be contacting the Daily Mail. He's going to be contacting, you know, different uh different publications to say I'm on the scene I'm a journalist I can cover this for you I'm going to talk mm-hmm. to the locals you know so that's not surprising and for them to say oh that means that he had an exceptional interest in the case is ridiculous so you can see how if he is an innocent man he was he could be easily pulled into that and then you think oh gosh for all these years his life was destroyed by it if he's an innocent man and he's never going to come out from under 
the hate of that. He's never going to escape that. He's always going to be Ian Bailey, Sophie Ducan du Plantier. He's always going to be associated with her and with her life and her death. And so I feel then, you know, really, gosh, I don't know how you would go on with that kind of uh, cloud over your head. And then I look at him from the other perspective and I think, what if he did it? Yeah. And he's living his life, you know, with because he does have a massive ego and you wonder, would somebody just convince themselves that they haven't done it and protest their innocence so much that they start to believe that? And that's how he can get up every day and go to bed every day. Uh, and you that then that's an outrage for her family, for her, you know, is he just walking around after doing this as well? So I so I can't ever look at him and, and find him a, a funny, entertaining character. The both documentaries have got access to him. He has requested that the Netflix documentary remove um, his interviews as they were conducted at his partner, Jules Holmes's house. Um, they have refused. So I believe that there's a legal battle going on about that. Um, interestingly, Jim Sheridan was approached to remove the interviews of the family, uh, Sophie Tuscan de Plantia's family, from Murder at the Cottage because they found out that um, Murder at the Cottage wouldn't, that Jim Sheridan had made a decision to allow Ian Bailey to basically um, be the centre of that documentary and talk about um, his experience and the trial. Very much so, Murder at the Cottage is the Ian Bailey show as I said to you earlier on, starring Marie Farrell and co-starring Jim Sheridan um, and Sophie Tuscan de Plantier. And she is in it. Um, and they do have an interview with her son and they still do have an interview with her um, father and mother. But she's not in it as much as she is featured in the Netflix documentary Sophie, A Murder in, First Cor- in West Cork. And I have to say... The Netflix documentary does such honour to her. Beautiful footage, really heart-wrenching interviews with the family, how they found out about her death. Your heart goes out to these people. Her son, her beautiful son, like her brother, who's just trying to hold it all together, explaining this story. Her elderly parents who are just, it's so tough. Like you want justice for this family. You really want justice for this family. You really do. Notable by his absence is her husband at the time, I believe. But I don't, I I totally respect the fact that he did not want any journalism around this. You know, he doesn't want this to be um, the story that's been told about him. Um, I could understand how, how anybody in that position would say, no, I don't want to court the media. Um, the one thing that I found was really touching however did happen in murder at the cottage and not in the netflix film which was there is there was two things actually there was two very personal things and there were both items that were in sophie's cottage um we see her son he's talking about the cottage and how sophie very much so inhabits the cottage still in a way there is a faded photograph of her in india in the kitchen and in many ways, that's so symbolic of how this woman has become, you know, a supporting character in her own murder. Um, the, the story that's been told is very much so the, the Ian Bailey story. But Sophie's at the heart of it and her image is fading as time goes on. 
and people are just trying like her son is just trying to keep it alive and trying to to keep her and her her kind of just grasping on to this fading image of this this woman um beautifully told in such a short space of time like he, he's just a master jim sure he's just a master the second one is the coat um Sophie Tuscan de Plantier wears a coat and you see her wearing the coat in the Netflix documentary um, Sophie a Murder in West Cork and it's a it's a kind of a beige a brownie kind of a duffel coat um, very common at the time but very Sophie of what we know about her um, and her son in the Jim Sheridan documentary shows her coat hanging at the back of the kitchen door and it's still there now Tracy I know, I know that really struck me as well, um, very much so. And she was working on a documentary at the time about mm. foals. It was all about foals and how foals hold memories. So foals and fabric and she was working on a documentary all about that at the time. I got such a shiver when you said oh, that. Yeah, as I know. And so I, that's what I was thinking about when I saw the coat, because I thought, gosh, in every fold oh, of that coat. Wow. There's a mem- there's a memory held of of that person, you know, and uh, I just thought that was very 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 striking. Such a powerful thought as well, isn't it? Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's very apt, and it's wonderful that they kept that they kept that coat there. It shouldn't be anywhere else but there. No, I'm glad they held on to the cottage too. I'm glad it's not an Airbnb now, like you know. No. By the way, I checked. There are no Airbnbs out that far in West Cork. I know. If there were, I would have booked one. Would you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like to go out and just see it. Like, I, obviously, I'm not. I'm not one of these people that are driving out to the park outside of the cross. And even, I mean, I've heard reports of them actually going right up into the window and looking right into the window of the of the cottage. That's completely disrespectful. Mm. But West Cork, I want to go to West, to the Three Castle Head. I want to, you know, I just want to have a look at West Cork. I wouldn't necessarily hang around school for market day when Ian Bailey would be there selling chili jam and geese or whatever else, you know. <clears throat> like the thing that struck me about Bailey he grows he's a farmer like he he grows vegetables he kills turkeys he delivers turkeys and chickens and all these kind of things at the local market he's a freelance journalist who at the time that the documentaries were being made was in a relationship with the absolutely amazing Jules Thomas I just have such feeling for this woman who stuck by and through thick and thin the relationship only ended in February I believe yeah, she's got great dignity, doesn't she, through, throughout? Yeah, but you could see how she was about to commit homicide herself there on the Jim Sheridan documentary. Like, she's just very irritated by him. Well, Can you imagine 20 years of Ian Bailey? Um, no, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, and theirs is a very uh, complicated story and also a very long uh, road to travel, I think, together um, and navigate yes. a lot. So again, yes. if he is innocent of this, isn't it just such a disgrace that their lives were ruined? If he is not innocent, wow, you know, it's you're caught between. Yeah. You don't know what to think about anybody. But um, but you know, I do think he's like innocent, Tracy. Person. Do you? I do. Yeah, I do. I've gone back and forth on it in my own head. I think he's his own worst enemy. Um, 
there's a lot of good things to be said about Ian Bailey. You have to really get to know him, I'd say, before you would see any of them. I think that I don't particularly appreciate the constant victimhood that he so freely inhabits. Um, I think that that's in a way disrespectful, but I understand why he would take that stance given the life that he has to lead. Um, and I don't envy it of anybody. His life has been ruined. Um, I felt that Sheridan allowed him to present himself in the way that he wanted to. Um, and whether he wanted to or not, Ian Bailey is Ian Bailey. And unfortunately, it appears that he has a, a really serious drinking problem at the moment, which can be excused given the circumstances. You know, I mean, it's absolutely horrendous what this man went through. Um, but I don't think that he did it. I just don't think that he did it. I think if you... I, I don't believe the scratches are what everyone, you know, the police, even their attempts to replicate it weren't the same. It makes sense. And you see him cutting briars. Like you see him cutting with a, a saw up a tree. You see him doing that motion. And then somebody else describes those scratches as being parallel, which is what would happen if you were sawing the top of a tree off. You would get parallel scratches as they're brushing against the side of the pine. So I tend to believe that. There's a lot of, frankly, bullshit out of the man as well. Like an awful lot of fantasy worlds that he lives in. You know, this standing up being, being the centre of attention and, you know, I mean, he's a narcissist, but that doesn't make him a murderer. I don't know who did kill her. Um, I don't I don't know, but I really find it very difficult to believe that it was him. Uh that's just like, a, like you know, I uh, luckily enough don't have to sit on a jury to make this decision, but nobody in Ireland sat on a jury for this. The closest that we got was the libel case. Do you know? So um, it's just my opinion and I could watch these two documentaries and listen to West Court, the podcast tomorrow and decide, do you know what? I've changed my mind. But I just think that he is and he and, and they did it quite well in the Netflix documentary and and also in Jim Sheridan's both of these documentary have kind of made it quite clear that you're talking about a place in Ireland where people were called blow-ins and the idea of the other was very much so like, you know, almost, do you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of Paradise Lost. Oh, those three kids are, are kind of metalheads. Oh, we blame them. Oh, it's satanic worship. Oh, we blame them. You know, this kind of way. And oh, the others did it. So the locals are thinking it's one of the blow-ins. The blow-ins are thinking it's one of the locals. And that it just whatever happened, it was that narrow mindedness of just trying to get your man and that kind of confirmation bias that led to this Garda investigation being an absolute mess. That's the reason why Sophie didn't get justice. It was at the hands of the Garda that she didn't get justice. Well, <clears throat> I don't think we'll ever we might never know why <clears throat> what's happened on either side, but. As I say, I look at him with two filters all the time. I li yeah. literally look at him with the filter that he's innocent and the filter that he's guilty. And I just think both are um, both are tragic. Both are tragic, yeah. Yeah, but I do think that this could throw up something somewhere. So let's see. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, there was some there was some kind of Hope, I suppose, sparked from various different things. Jim Sheridan found quite a lot of areas of, of investigation when he was re-looking at the, at the file 
I'd like to see if something could be dredged up from the bottom of this deep and dark kind of canal. Um, yeah, no, let's see. And the, West Cork, the podcast. That's where to go yes, for West breaking Cork's news. Podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Tracy, if you like this, what else should you watch? Oh, God. Um, oh, gosh. Every true crime doc everywhere. <laughs> sure, that won't take you too long. What are you on No. Just keep watching Sky Crime. Yeah, Sky Crime is really good. Killer siblings, killers in my village, killer. My killer I next can't door. It. Yeah, my friend's a killer. Me and my killer husband. There are a my lot ex girlfriend is an axe murderer. <laughs> um, East Cork, the sequel. East Cork, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, no more of of those stories from Ireland would be good, but. Uh, no, although there are so many kind of stories like this, but this one is so very unique because of what it did to our legal system, you know. Um, but I did think about part. Yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, no, but just at the at the heart of it all, just just as a footnote, and and she shouldn't be a footnote, but you know, the loss of an absolutely beautiful lady, a talented Stunning. person, smart, intelligent, wonderful woman, in such a brutal mm. fashion is just so tragic. Um, the world is a sadder place without her I feel um, God knows what kind of beautiful art she would have brought you know I hope that some you know there's some form of justice I suppose for the family in this conviction I hope you know that something happens or that the truth does become known whether this is it or whether you know sometime in the future although I find it very difficult to believe that that would ever occur at this stage but you'd be hopeful yeah hope let's see Tracy. let's wait and see I think <clears throat> That the immediate documentaries that came to mind for me were Paradise Lost, obviously making of a murderer. Um, I would recommend if you liked Murder at the Cottage that you do look at In the Name of the Father, which is another uh, miscarriage of justice. And um, also My Left Foot, both of those films made by the amazing Jim Sheridan, who treated us once again with um, A Murder at the Cottage. I have to say, though, that Netflix documentary was really, really good. It, it was, was really, really good. I completely binge watch binge watched it. It does come. They should come with a trigger warning for binge watching. Know? <laughs> I know it should be auto binge watch. <laughs> Just leave, you know, give an hour and a half of your time or three hours or warning. five hours or, you know, you just get drawn in. You have to watch the next one. So, um, yeah. So let's see what 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 it brings up next. I'm going to be watching this space and yeah. listening to West Cork for updates. Listen, guys, be safe out there. Still keep washing your hands, wearing your masks and staying the hell away from each other for another while, just in case. So I think that's it for now. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, I'll see you next time on Docs That Rock then, Sharita. Great to be back, guys. Take care. Goodbye. See you.